Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, resistant directs in one-on-ones. Here we go. One of the most frequent questions we get from folks has got to be, particularly when it comes to one-on-ones, right, is what do we do right. about the direct who doesn't want to have them? We just walk away, right? Just like feedback. <laughs> just walk yeah, away. Yeah, that's right. Shot across the bow. Just walk no. away. No problem, dude. You don't want to meet with me? It's all good. Yeah. And look, when we hear that question, you know, there's a part of us that discounts the idea behind it. I, you know, you, no, no worries, folks. We, we promise we'll answer it, but... There certainly are some managers who, after having bought into an idea, will then project themselves forward and attempt to figure out problems they can foresee happening. You know, I know that's some of the managers who are asking this question. But aren't those managers, in the vast majority of cases, just creating artificial roadblocks around the the idea that, yeah, I want to do this, but my team won't tolerate it from me, right? It won't work for me because my team won't tolerate it. I mean, it's... It seems like an artificial roadblock to me. Yeah, I, I think I think what it, what it is is um, people are intellectually defending their own state, and the, I think there is a healthy bit of the uh, of the managerial of any professional population who believe that change proves that what they were doing before was wrong, and so they have to defend where they are, um, and. You put that together with change is hard, and they say, well, my, my directs won't like it. We even talked to a manager once who told us his team would never go for one-on-ones after several of his directs who were managers were already doing them with their directs because of our podcast. <laughs> okay. Right? It's, 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 there's this cognitive dissonance, right? Um, being willing to create, like you say, a truly artificial reality to support the worldview you already have. And, and, um, yeah, I really think that this is a a false defense attempting to throw up all possible roadblocks to the idea. Right. Okay. So hopefully folks are not making this up and they're willing to try doing one-on-ones with their folks. But what about those folks who go do one-on-ones with their folks? They start to do them and they get resistance. What about those folks? What do we do there to, to respond to that? Yeah. Well, we're hearkening back to some of the older days in Manager Tools Cast. We have a seven-step process. Number one, we're going to remind everybody that one-on-ones are business meetings and they are mandatory. You can do that. You are the boss. We don't do it too often. We don't use real power too often at Manager Tools, but this is one of those times. Uh, number two, you actually take time to restate your intent to continue. Okay, You tell people that you're going to do it. Um, number three, maybe it goes without saying, but we'll say it anyway, continue having them no matter what. Number four, make sure you ask for your direct's input two times at the start of a one-on-one. We don't just ask once and when they say no, you know, we don't just take over or have a shorter meeting. You ask twice. And number five, if they don't have anything, you take over their time with your agenda. You're going to have a 30-minute meeting. It's designed to communicate. If they're not going to talk, then... Most of us as managers can could, could fill up 30 minutes with our directs. If you can't fill up 30 minutes with your directs because you don't want to talk to them, I would suggest that's a completely different problem, and we'll put a cast on about that some other time. That'd be a short cast because it's yeah, be, get a different job. Yeah. Resign. <laughs> get out of management. Resign, please. Yeah. Uh, number six, be totally patient. 
Don't think that in three months of the problem solved, it's intractable because we've heard of it taking longer than that. Um, but patience is a virtue. And number seven, look, if you do continue to have uh, resistance at the end of a year, which I've never heard of, then we recommend you talk about that uh, in a review because this is a business meeting and they've been blowing you off. <laughs> Uh, and then we'll have a brief note at the end about feedback as well. We covered in another cast a while ago that one-on-ones are business meetings, right? And like other business meetings, they're not optional. Right. And I'd suggest that if they, in fact, are business meetings, they're worthy of the same professional rigor that you'd expect from all your other business meetings, right? Yeah. It's funny. I, I There's still a part of me when I hear people say, well, my direct doesn't want to come, and so therefore I'm not going to make him come or whatever. I'm like, gee, I don't get that. It doesn't make sense to me that of all the meetings that you call that they're all mandatory except this one, that it's so different. And I don't even don't even think of it as, as very different at all. We will always recommend that all managers, once you start them, with a direct who is resistant and attempts to suggest that through passive aggressiveness or aggressiveness or not showing up that, that you insist on them no matter what. Your state of mind regarding your one-on-ones with your directs is or ought to be, if it's not yet, that they're non-negotiable. Now, look, we, we've suggested some ways to handle some pushback. When your directs give you one of the many and varied rationales for not wanting to have them, you can simply say, and we've said this before in a cast, thanks for the input, we're going to go ahead and do them, or I hear your concerns, It's this is my call, or thanks, but this one's non-negotiable. Thanks, see you then is one of my favorites. When they ask, do I have to come, you can say, no, but I'll expect you, and there will be consequences if you don't. If you think you have a sense of humor and you can pull it off, you can say, no more than we have to pay you. Depends on your relationship and so on. I suspect for some people that will be a little bit too much. Yeah. Um, do you know, I think one of the things that's happening, it's we, we don't, we try not to get into the heads of our directs, right? This is manager tools. It's about behavior. If you ask me one of the big rationales for why directs don't want to do it is that uh, it's possible and this is partially our fault. I don't want to cast aspersions. I don't want to, I don't want to blame managers who have done this because we've certainly made a case for it at times. We were off key when we did so and it was our bad was managers who say, okay, I want to have a better relationship with you. I want to get to know you. Let's sit down and talk once a week for half an hour. I think there are a lot more directs who push back against that whole relationship thing. And if we talk about communicating, if we talk about an update, if we talk about a weekly meeting, I think it's much more likely that the direct will be willing to have the meeting. They'll see it as a work meeting. In other words, they push back because we sold it a little too softly, if you will. I think you're absolutely right. That strikes a chord with me. Yeah. Now, look, for some of you, our suggestions about, hey, I hear your concerns, but it's my call, or hey, I'll expect you there anyway, it will be too much. It'll be too harsh. You'll be tempted to ask why to understand your direct's concerns. We respect that, but you're wasting your time. And that's some valuable time you're wasting <laughs> um, based on how busy everyone says they are. Really, it needs to go no further than thinking, what if my boss asked me to attend a meeting like this? Would you blow it off? Would you not go? Would you expect to get away with it? What's amazing is no one ever raises their hand and says, oh, I would just blow my boss off and, 
and there would be no repercussions. My boss would simply put his tail between his legs and walk, walk away. You know, do you think you get to approve what your boss wants from you? I bet that less than 5% of managers would even consider not going, and less than 5% of those would actually not go. So that, that turns out to be one out of every 400 managers who are listening would actually literally blow their boss off. I find that hard to believe. Um, I'm, I'm all for mostly open dialogue with bosses, but I can't imagine saying to my boss, no, I'm not going to come, too busy, don't want don't to engage with you. The simple fact is you wouldn't even think about missing it if you're listening and you're smart. What makes you think your directs thinking about missing a meeting makes them smart or that it's something that we ought to tolerate? We ought not to. So they're mandatory. They're business meetings. They're mandatory. And we behave as if they are mandatory. So when people resist, either by not attending or, you know, frankly, not being responsive, we'd suggest that you tell them clearly that you're going to continue to schedule the meetings and then as long as they're scheduled, you're going to expect them to show, right? That's consistent with what you just said. Yeah, we want to restate our intent. It seems a lot like our next recommendation, which is continue having them no matter what, right? But it's not. It's important when we change our managerial behavior. I'm going to say this again. It's important when we change our managerial behavior to explain what we're doing and why we're doing it to our directs so they can they can understand what we're doing. They'll understand it simply physically. What, what, what do you want me to do? And they'll try to understand the rationale behind it. Okay. We hear from managers an awful lot that, well, that oughtn't have to be that way because, you know, I do have some role power and I shouldn't have to justify my actions, which is not what we're suggesting. We're just suggesting communicating change to you. A lot of managers say, well, it's, you know, I have role power. Why don't I just get to use a little bit of my role power? And frankly, we're okay with you using your role power to insist on the meeting, but that doesn't mean that role power alone is the way to communicate, is the way to convince your directs to, to come. I mean, you can say, I'm going to do it, and, and here's why, and even though you push back, I'm going to continue doing it. We respect that maybe managers are right when they say we oughtn't have to, but really the question to ask is not that. The more effective question is, what can I do to increase the chances that my one-on-ones are effective and that this direct of mine who's pushing back, however he or she is doing so, contributes reasonably? We recommend you keep in mind the state of management in the world today. You know, the other day at a client training, the guy was on the back right, Mike. A manager asked us with a totally straight face, what do I do when my directs laugh at me and ask what joke I'm playing on them for giving them positive feedback? <laughs> I could have said a lot of things, but I, I, t I tend to not say the first things that pop into my mind when I hear questions like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, and I used to. I, I used to say, well... <laughs> That, that, that's a, you know, I, I don't have an hour to answer that question. We've given them a case to, to make statements like that, right? I mean, as managers, we have done so many bad things, foisted so many <laughs> bad things on our folks that they have a, a right to be a little bit skeptical, don't you think? I mean, I, I mean, how many flavor of the months, you know, as a professional management have we put on our folks and never followed through? Yeah, they do. They have a case. We're, we're feckless as managers often. We start stuff and then we don't follow through. And, you know, you do it four or five times and you come back, you know, you're the, the boy or the girl who, you know, the sky is falling, right? You're chicken little. 
They are. There, there, there is a bit of reasonableness for the direct who pushes back, for the direct who resists. Uh, they know there's a very good chance that if history repeats, and, and history usually does, that you won't actually use this new stuff, this new idea, the shiny new toy from the conference you went to for very long. Why not resist a little and avoid taking the energy to change stuff that'll all have to go back to the old way soon enough? Now, I think that's kind of a cynical worldview, and I would challenge any direct that it's the right way to be, but I understand why they have it, and maybe because I can understand why they have it, I ought to say, okay, what can I do to increase the chances that they're going to be an effective player? The question is, really is, Will communicating about how important I believe this new process is and clearly stating that one-on-ones will continue, will that increase the chances that directs become more responsive? It would be nice if they do what we say when we say it, but they're not gonna. So let's embrace reality. Maybe we oughtn't have to be persuasive about these things, but ought is a word right up there with should. Let's not talk about ought and should. Let's talk about results and effectiveness and, and again, reality. And look, if you ask, will communicating about how important I believe this new process is, will that increase the chances that directs become more responsive? The answer is yes. When we've talked to managers who got pushback, managers who communicated their intent and rationale got compliance and communication much sooner than managers who simply used role power without communications as well. Now, Some of those managers, frankly, told us something funny, but it rang true for us. They told us that telling their directs that they intended to keep having one-on-ones also increased the manager's own fear of quitting them just because you were making a verbal commitment. And to me, that's kind of reality thinking is best, right? Forget about the reasons why they're pushing back or whether this is a good idea or not. If you tell people, I intend to continue, it makes it more likely that you're going to continue simply because you're doubling down your bet. Yeah. So have some guts, folks. (laughs) Yeah. So our point here is tell your direct who resists that you're going to persist. And there's nothing wrong with a little mea culpa too, right? Here's some examples. Hey, listen, just to be clear with you, there's no no chance I'm going to stop doing one-on-ones just because you don't like them. They work, and I'd like us to communicate more regularly. Or you could say, hey, listen, just to be clear, your resistance isn't going to cause me to back off. I believe in these meetings. I know I've tried stuff before and stopped, or you could say, I, I know I could, it could seem like flavor of the month again, but this time it's different. For some of you, maybe you could be more lighthearted. You could also add, and hey, look, six months of us staring at each other isn't going to be fun for anybody. I noticed that you didn't say anything about a better relationship there. Yeah, I alluded to this before, right? Most directs who resist are not naturally not not natural relationship builders. They tend to be more work or task focused as opposed to people focused. Not, not all of them, but the majority. If they were going to cite something they didn't like about one-on-ones, the two biggest reasons against them are time, which is false, but whatever, and lack of interest in personal stuff. So we recommend you talk about communication, which is less offensive to those who mistakenly believe that personal communications are a reasonable business effort. Don't go there, and they won't have that to push back on. You might hear them say, look, I don't need to have a personal relationship with you. Okay, fine. I could see somebody saying that. But imagine them saying, but I don't want to communicate with you. That's not a line that they would then follow up with if you insisted saying, well, I'm going to HR with this one. Right? Yep. 
Most people know they can't go to HR and say, my boss wants more communication with me. I don't like it. Will you please tell him to stop? Yeah, that'd be a <laughs> it's just, silly right? argument. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's a funny. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Okay. And then at this point, we continue having them no matter what. I mean, sometimes we have to say the things that go without saying, no matter whether the direct shows or not, don't cancel their one-on-one. If they don't show, go get them if they're nearby. If they're supposed to call you and they don't, then call them up. They may get a little annoyed about that. On the other hand, if they were late on a project task, you wouldn't just look the other way, right? I can't imagine you doing that. (laughs) These are business meetings with a purpose and a value. If they were late, you go talk to them and try to get them to get current on the project. You might assign the work to someone else. In some cases, you might do it yourself. You would not simply look the other way and pretend as if it never happened. Right. Yeah. Okay. But, but, but same time, some people who are listening, Mike, are thinking, okay, but seriously, how long do I keep up this charade when they miss? Say 10 times, you know, at that point, we just let it go. And, and their passive aggressiveness, their unprofessionalism has finally worn me down. And this is clearly deleterious to our relationship, which is counter to the whole purpose of it. So therefore, they win and I'll do one on ones with everybody else. And the answer is no, 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 no. When they miss 100, which is two years worth, by the way, stop doing them. Yeah, by firing them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You'd you'd have to terminate them for for that. Don't even begin to think about how long you might go before stopping doing one-on-ones. Your company doesn't give up on budgeting if spending gets out of control. In fact, just the opposite. When the accounting system has a glitch, they don't say, oh, let's go back to bartering for everything, right? Let's keep our money in piles in a vault. No, they fix the systems that are designed to make things more efficient and effective. And if one manager is ignoring the budgeting process, somebody says, hey, you got to do a budget. And frankly, companies like that, you know, most companies are not, they don't try to reach out. They don't try to understand. We're suggesting You try to reach out, you try to understand, you still insist, you still communicate, and you continue doing them no matter what. Never give in, as Winston Churchill said. Okay. So we're going to have these meetings no matter what. They're professional. We have a right to expect folks to show up. Um, And as managers, we should insist they show up, just like any other professional meeting. Let's go a little bit further. I insist on having the meetings. I go get the guy. He's in my office. We're doing the one-on-one. Folks who know one-on-ones, the first 10 minutes is for the direct. And so we turn over the agenda to our direct. Hey, how's it going, Bob? And Bob just sits there and says nothing or crosses his arms, right? So we're having the meeting. Okay, I'm a professional manager. I'm going to make sure they show up. What do I do when I have the meeting and they don't participate in that first 10 minutes? Yeah, it's um, when we ask, look, they might cross their arms. They might give us a, a snarky answer like, nope, fine, whatever. Or they might say nothing, or they might say, I don't want to be here, okay? If they say nothing, or they give you a response that suggests they are going to say nothing, we give them another chance. We ask again, hey, what's going on? Or are you sure? Nothing at all? Or you might say, anything at all? You might say, no, are you sure? Or happy to hear how things are going where you might need my help. Or you might say, just to be clear, uh, it's your platform. Share what you can if you like. We recommend you ask twice to reinforce that this meeting really is for them to communicate about them and their work. If you only ask one, 
one time and then you jump right into your agenda. They're going to say, oh, it was just a screen for another meeting about my boss's demands on me. Now, the fact that that's false doesn't change that it could be one of their arguments. We're just being polite and taking it away from them in advance. And there's another reason for this. Look, as I tell people often at our public conferences and at private client work, the organization structure makes it easy to communicate downward. It's really hard to communicate upward. So we're trying to overcome the organizational resistance, the sandpaper that exists, by recognizing some people might not even be cognizant of the fact that a boss would say, hey, what's going on? And anything I can help with, or can you give me an update kind of thing? We're just saying we don't want them to miss it. And if we're going to hold them accountable for it, we're going to give them a second chance because there have been plenty of times where we haven't given them a second chance. Right. Okay. So we're going to give them a second chance, but we're not going to give them a third, fourth, or fifth. So if you ask twice and they still continue to refuse, we'd suggest that you've made a reasonable effort to allow them to communicate. You've also made them look unprofessional and there's no sense in wasting the meeting. So... You're right. In a way, we can say we've made them look unprofessional. Actually, they've just chosen to be unprofessional, right? right we, didn't, yeah. we didn't make them, right? We poked at an umbrella. They got unprofessional all by themselves. Yeah. And, and they might think it's a waste at that point early on in one-on-ones when they're pushing back and resisting. But look, folks, your desire for information about your direct's work and habits and needs is a reasonable business need for you. And your directs are obligated to help you meet it. This is one of those cases where role power is valuable. Um, you don't you don't have to only use role power, but role power does come with your role as a manager. Yeah, this is going to sound bad, and I I apologize. I can't remember many one on ones that the end of my thirty minutes, I didn't feel as if there were questions unanswered. I mean, as busy as we are, and as little as time as we have to communicate with each other. I always felt like there was just never enough opportunity to communicate. And so if somebody wants to be resistant and for two minutes, I try to get him or her to communicate and they don't one, I feel perfectly reasonable doing so. And second, there is a, a great value for me in having 28 minutes to get information from my directs. And so if somebody (laughs) doesn't participate, I can use 28 minutes. Yeah, exactly. You ask twice, they've basically given their portion of the agenda back to you. You know, if if this were a parliamentary procedure, and every once in a while we have somebody saying they want to use Robert's rules, right? If it were a parliamentary procedure, they would have just yielded back the remainder of their time to the distinguished gentleman or lady who is sitting in your chair. What you do is say, okay, great. I've got some questions and some comments for you. At this point, the remainder of the meeting is yours to cover what you need to cover. Yes, periodically. So, so I'm suggesting if it takes two minutes for them to resist, as you say, you, you end up with 28 minutes to cover whatever it is you want to cover. And usually about them, you don't want to turn it into a waterfall meeting. Now, it'd be good periodically to save five minutes at the end of the meeting to ask about the future. It may seem weird to ask about the future with somebody who's clamming up, but you do need to ask and just reach out appropriately regarding succession planning and talent management to see what they're thinking and so on. So the question becomes, what do you want to talk about during your period? Do you want to talk about projects? Fine. Status? Fine. Their relationships with other people? Fine. A monthly performance review? Good. Assign a special project? Sure, you can do that. Brief you on their technical approach to a problem? You bet. Okay. Their understanding of your yearly budget plan? Yeah, absolutely. You can do that. 
any of that stuff. And you could also share about your family if you wanted to. Any of that stuff and all of that stuff seems, yeah. <laughs> seems like 28 minutes could go by pretty quickly. Now, even when we do this, I think it's hard for folks often, and we can kind of be flippant or, or light about this, but it's it's difficult for managers when they're direct, resist week after week after week. And they won't do it forever. They won't do it as long as you think they'll do it, um, but it still can get pretty frustrating. And it's hard. I mean, you have to work at being patient. Yeah. We all want management to be easy, right? Virtually every manager comes to us with a secret wish for the silver bullet of management, the holy grail. And there is no such thing, but but one-on-ones are the closest we have. Most folks want the ultimate problem solver, the one that once you apply it would keep any problem from ever coming up again, that we see management as the solving of problems, right? And so we just need the ultimate problem solver. I, I've talked about it before. Paul Hawken, the, the entrepreneur, wrote a book, a great book called Growing a Business. And he wrote, he, he wrote this little passage, which I have circled and reread probably 500 times in my life. On an autumn Saturday several years ago, I was working in my office while the rest of the world was enjoying the Indian summer. I forget the particular problem I was trying to solve. It was one of hundreds, and I was proceeding in my usual fashion. Solve that problem once and for all. For years, I had been the greyhound chasing the rabbit of permanent solutions. I knew that if I worked just a little harder, a little longer, a little more creatively, I would finally catch that rabbit and have a perfectly running business at last. I would experience commercial nirvana and emerge from the dark night of the ledger book into the clear dawn of administrative beatitude. Monday morning would always be a pleasure. I was wrong. And he goes on to say, the nirvana that he experienced was, I'm always going to have problems, right? And I'm not going to solve the problem on Saturday and Monday, have everything come back and and, and be perfect. It doesn't work that way. People, (laughs) in all their varied forms and fashions, make it impossible. If there was a way to solve a problem one time forever, there wouldn't need to be managers overseeing the work of other folks. We'd all be independent contractors. And frankly, we read a lot about that in the press and how the all businesses are going to be flat and so on. And it's just silly. It's just dumb. I don't have any problem with the talent market becoming more fluid, but organizations are going to be vertical for a long, long time because human beings seek verticality. You know, people make it impossible to solve problems once and for all, and directs especially make it hard to do so. Management is a slow thing. It's a glacial thing. It's a tectonic thing. It's not fast. It's not a tornado. It's not a volcano. You know, as you you like to say at our conferences and with clients, um, when it comes to people, fast is slow. So don't think you've messed up if one of your directs hasn't come around in three weeks or even three months. Let them resist. Please don't attack their resistance. Okay. Don't get into the reasons why they're doing it because they'll just run you around the tree. Okay. That's what they want. For many of them, it's what they want, right? Yeah, yeah. Just like shot across the bow, for those of you who are familiar with it, don't argue about what they want to argue about, which are their reasons. If they're going to resist, fine. But you can still do what you want to do. No, you, you, you can't mandate a relationship, but you can put a process in place that is very likely to get one created. Uh, and will improve communication. Think about it. Companies have sale process, sales processes all designed to work well, but they don't guarantee sales. 
nor can a few weeks, half an hour at a time, guarantee you a great relationship with your direct. It can improve communication, which is worthy in and of itself. I mean, gosh, every company I hear says we need to improve communication with our people. I'm going to put you on the spot, so we'll make you a bet. Folks, set a timeline. Let's say a year. You make it that long with Resistant Direct, you get a free conversation with Mark about what's going on and how to solve it. Mark at manager-tools.com. There you go. Oh my gosh, I cannot believe you did that. <laughs> there you go. But but yeah, a, a year. But here's the thing. You think, oh, they finally caved and said, oh, it's going to be a year. And and uh, I thought they said totally patient. Well, we think for most managers, totally patient is about five weeks. So that's so the year is 10 times longer than that. Look at folks. We're not stupid businessmen. We've been around the block a couple times. And I can make that prompt. I can throw my uh, partner under the bus here. <laughs> you won't get to a year. It happens once in a million times. So it's a, so I made a pretty safe bet. I, I didn't throw it under the bus too much there, buddy. Yeah, good. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, and then the last one is if you do go a year, you've got to mention their resistance on their review, right? There's got to be something. If you've got a professional review system in your company, then there's got to be a place where you can talk about communication. Yeah, the end-of-year review is one of those things that – actually helps mitigate the risk of going an entire year. Yeah, folks, folks exactly. get it. Yeah. You do anything yeah. for a year. It's kind of like a water drip torture, right? You do anything for a year every week, they're going to get it. Yeah. If somebody resists for a whole year, they're intentionally standing in the way of a reasonable business process that you have created and is it's in within your purview. Grade them notably lower. I know it depends on on your system, on what notably might be. But on a scale of one to five, if the usual decision is between a five and a four, and some people do get threes, I would consider a three or a two. So grade them notably lower on communications. Team behaviors, too, if there is such a category. And it wouldn't be unreasonable for you when you're delivering the review to tell them they won't get promoted without engaging professionally with you. That is not too much to ask. And ask yourself whether or not you could get away for a whole year crossing your arms in every single meeting with your boss and saying, I don't want to engage with you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to communicate about the stuff I want to talk about, let alone what you want to talk about. I'm just going to cross my arms and answer your questions. I think your boss would rightfully say, I don't have a place for you on my team. That's just not professional or reasonable. Frankly, it's not even kind. And there are plenty of companies that have soft enough values that kindness is something that is respected. Let me mention one more thing. I I know we've finished uh, all seven points. I know there are probably some people saying, okay, this is a chance for feedback, right? (laughs) It's just simple feedback. The reason we didn't bring up feedback in this cast is because we're talking to managers who are just starting out doing one-on-ones. And if you're doing that and you're following our guidance, you're rolling out the Trinity, okay? You won't be doing feedback in the first two to three months that you're rolling out the Trinity. You don't do feedback and one-on-ones all at the same time, right? You wait. You do one-on-ones for a while. I think we say it's three to four months or even maybe even longer. And then we go to feedback. 99% of you won't get to the four-month, four-and-a-half-month point where you could potentially give this person negative feedback because they will have already rolled over, complied, and become a notably less resistant. So we don't want to add the feedback bit in here and confuse you when, in fact, the vast majority of you won't need to get there. Yeah, sure. Okay, if you're at six months and you want to give somebody negative feedback about their continuing to be late to the meeting and not communicating, that's fine. It would be a challenge for Mike and I even to be to be able to chuckle about it, as Mike has taught me, but I, I do think I could do it. And it would be a way to 
as you say, give them the water torture and, and bathe them in feedback on a regular basis. So that's why you didn't hear about feedback in the cast. For the vast majority of people, they won't get far enough into the rolling out of the Trinity before this person starts to respond. And you wouldn't want to find somebody in two months responding and then three months later say, you know, I, I have a concern about the fact that you didn't warm up to me in the first couple of months. You know, that kind of delayed stuff doesn't make any sense. If somebody comes around, we're just happy they came around. That's what's important. Good. I'm, I'm glad you threw that in there. I'm sure a lot of people had that question. Yeah, yeah. So wrapping up then, I won't include the feedback bit in here, but there were seven points we made. You know, one-on-ones are business meetings. They're mandatory. You're going to restate your intent to continue. You're going to continue no matter what. You're going to start each one by asking a second time for their input. So there's no question that, that you're, you intend to follow through on the purpose of the call. If they don't respond, then you could take over their time. Be totally patient. We gave you the year challenge uh, that Mike, Mike uh, didn't really throw me under the bus, but he gave you the year-long challenge. And then, of course, if it has been a year or you know eight months or something and they continue to resist, you've got to put that down in their review because what you're asking for is just reasonable communication within the organization. It really boils down to, do you believe in one-on-ones? If you don't, think twice about starting them. Who needs another flavor of the month? Your directs don't. But if you do believe it, then actually believe it and act as if you do, which is the definition of believe. The root word is act as if. Don't be swayed by a selfish direct. Stick with one-on-ones as a better, not just a new, but a better way of managing each of your directs. They're a new deliverable, frankly, between you and your direct and from your direct to you. Hold your folks accountable for this new deliverable. Don't stop. When somebody pushes back by clamming up, ask them a couple of times to contribute, send a clear message. If they don't, get as much out of the meeting as you can. You know, we, we can't force them to contribute, so be patient. And that said, we can wear them down with a patient relentlessness. And we can certainly remind them that when something isn't negotiable, failure to contribute has implications. Perfectly reasonable. Thanks, my friend. Thanks, partner. All right, we'll see you. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll see you next week. Meantime, have a great one. So long.